Section 16 of Expository Thoughts on the Gospel of St. Mark by J. C. Ryle. Chapter 4, verses 30 to 34. Parable of the Grain of Mustard Seed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Mark, chapter 4, verses 30 to 34. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth, but when it is sown, it groweth up, and becometh greater than all herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them, and when they were alone he expounded all things to his disciples. The parable of the mustard seed is one of those parables which partake of the character both of history and of prophecy. It seems intended to illustrate the history of Christ's visible church on earth, from the time of the first advent down to the judgment day. The seed cast into the earth, in the preceding parable, showed us the work of grace in a heart. The mustard seed shows us the progress of professing Christianity in the world. We learn, in the first place, that, like the grain of mustard seed, Christ's visible church was to be small and weak in its beginnings. A grain of mustard seed was a proverbial expression among the Jews for something very small and insignificant. Our Lord calls it less than all the seeds that be in the earth. Twice in the Gospels we find our Lord using the figure as a word of comparison when speaking of a weak faith. Matthew chapter 17 verse 20, Luke chapter 17 verse 6. The idea was doubtless familiar to a Jewish mind, however strange it may sound to us. Here, as in other places, the Son of God shows us the wisdom of using language familiar to the minds of those whom we may address. It would be difficult to find an emblem which more faithfully represents the history of the visible church of Christ than this grain of mustard seed. Weakness and apparent insignificance were undoubtedly the characteristics of its beginning. How did its head and king come into the world? He came as a feeble infant born in a manger at Bethlehem, without riches, or armies, or attendants, or power. Who were the men that the head of the church gathered round himself, and appointed his apostles? They were poor and unlearned persons, fishermen, publicans, and men of like occupations, to all appearance the most unlikely people to shake the world. What was the last public act of the earthly ministry of the great head of the church? He was crucified, like a malefactor, between two thieves, after having been forsaken by nearly all his disciples, betrayed by one and denied by another. What was the doctrine which the first builders of the church went forth from the upper chamber in Jerusalem to preach to mankind? It was a doctrine which to the Jews was a stumbling-block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. It was a proclamation that the great head of their new religion had been put to death on a cross, and that notwithstanding this, they offered life through his death to the world. 
In all this the mind of man can perceive nothing but weakness and feebleness. Truly the emblem of a grain of mustard seed was verified and fulfilled to the very letter. To the eyes of man the beginning of the visible church was contemptible, insignificant, powerless, and small. We learn, in the second place, that like the mustard seed, the visible church, once planted, was to grow and greatly increase. The grain of mustard seed, says our Lord, when it is sown, groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs. These words may sound startling to an English ear. We are not accustomed to such a growth in our cold northern climate. But to those who know eastern countries, there is nothing surprising in it. The testimony of well-informed and experienced travellers is distinct, that such an increase is both possible and probable. Footnote. To show the size to which the mustard plant will grow in eastern countries, Lightfoot quotes the following passage from rabbinical writers. There was a stalk of mustard in Sikkim, from which sprang out three boughs, one of which was broken off, and covered the tent of a potter, and produced three cabs of mustard. Rabbi Simeon ben Chalapta said, A stalk of mustard seed was in my field, to which I was wont to climb, as men are wont to climb into the fig tree. The enormous size to which the rhododendron, the heath, and the fern will grow, in some climates which suit them better than ours, should be remembered by any English reader of this parable. End of footnote. No figure could be chosen more strikingly applicable to the growth and increase of Christ's visible church in the world. It began to grow from the day of Pentecost, and grew with rapidity, which nothing can account for but the finger of God. It grew wonderfully when three thousand souls were converted at once, and five thousand more in a few days afterwards. It grew wonderfully when at Antioch, and Ephesus, and Philippi, and Corinth, and Rome, congregations were gathered together, and Christianity firmly established. It grew wonderfully, when at last the despised religion of Christ overspread the greater part of Europe, and Asia Minor, and North Africa, and, in spite of fierce persecution and opposition, supplanted heathen idolatry, and became the professed creed of the whole Roman Empire. Such growth must have been marvellous in the eyes of many, but it was only what our Lord foretold in the parable before us. The kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed. The visible church of Christ has not yet done growing. Notwithstanding the melancholy apostasy of some of its branches, and the deplorable weakness of others, it is still extending and expanding over the world. New branches have continually been springing up in America, in India, in Australia, in Africa, in China, in the islands of the South Seas, during the last fifty years. Evils undoubtedly there are many. False profession and corruption abound. But still, on the whole, heathenism is waning, wearing out, and melting away. In spite of all the predictions of Voltaire and Paine, in spite of foes without and treachery within, the visible church progresses, the mustard plant still grows, and the prophecy, we may rest assured, is not yet exhausted. A day shall yet come when the great head of the church shall take to himself his power and reign and put down every enemy under his feet. The earth shall yet be filled with the knowledge of God 
as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2. Satan shall yet be bound. The heathen shall yet be our Lord's inheritance, and the utmost parts of the earth his possession. And then this parable shall receive its full accomplishment. The little seed shall become a great tree, and fill the whole earth. Daniel chapter 3 verse 35. Let us leave the parable with a resolution never to despise any movement or instrumentality in the church of Christ, because at first it was weak and small. Let us remember the manger of Bethlehem, and learn wisdom. The name of him who lay there, a helpless infant, is now known all over the globe. The little seed which was planted in the day when Jesus was born has become a great tree, and we ourselves are rejoicing under its shadow. Let it be a settled principle in our religion never to despise the day of small things. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 One child may be the beginning of a flourishing school, one conversion the beginning of a mighty church, one word the beginning of some blessed Christian enterprise, one seed the beginning of a rich harvest of saved souls. Footnote. It is fair to say that the view which I have adopted of the meaning of this parable is not the view which is held by some interpreters. Some think that the parable is intended to show the progress of the work of grace in the heart of an individual believer. I am not prepared to say that this may not have been in our Lord's mind in speaking the parable. I think it quite possible that the parable admits of a double interpretation, for the experience of a believer and the experience of the whole church are much the same. My principal objection to this view is that it does not appear to suit the language of the parable so well as that which I have maintained. Some few interpreters think that the mustard seed signifies the principle of evil and corruption, and that the main object of the parable is to show how insidiously apostasy would begin in the church, and how completely it would at last overgrow and fill the whole body. I own that I cannot for a moment see the soundness of this interpretation. To say nothing of other reasons, there seems an excessive harshness in this sense, when we consider the opening words of the parable, wherewith shall we liken the kingdom of God? One would rather expect the question to have been, wherewith shall we liken the kingdom of the devil, if the whole parable is occupied with describing the progress of evil? I confess that I think the meaning of the fowls of the air is a point which admits of some question. Many think it signifies the number of converts to Christianity, who, as the church increased, joined themselves to it and came as doves to the windows. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 8. Some think that it signifies the number of worldly and false professors who joined the church from mere carnal motives when it began to be great and prosperous, as in the days of Constantine. When we remember that the fowls of the air in the parable of the sower, Mark chapter 4, verses 4 to 15, are declared by our Lord himself to mean Satan, we must admit that there is considerable force in this interpretation. End of footnote. End of section 16.